it's a perfect time to talk about the rental market and specifically talking a little bit about rental market when it comes to long-term versus short-term rentals and how lenders consider this source of income. A lot of people go away in the summer and they look at vacation properties or properties in cities that they like to spend their time in and come back and ask us questions around the possibility of owning one of these short-term rental properties in one of these cities. And so for that reason, we thought it was a great idea to uh, start just basically film a podcast and talk a little bit about the ins and outs of short-term rentals and why lenders look at the income in certain ways. Now, I will specify that in this podcast, there are general conversations. We try to get specific, but certainly there's a lot more that could be said around these topics, but it's so specific to each circumstance. We recommend that you reach out to the team if you want to find out more about what it looks like to obviously use and buy a short-term rental property or long-term rental with the team here at Thrive. Again, this episode today is brought to us by the partners at ThriveMortgage.ca, so Thrive Mortgage Co., uh, and we'd love to help you with your financing and real estate goals. Just reach out to us on the website or on Instagram, and we'll take care of you. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. This was a fun one, and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Interesting when the market starts to take a little bit of a dip and things start to change because there's a lot of polar opposite opinions and feelings on what's going to happen and who's going to be interested and where the market's really going. Now, one thing is always true in quote unquote down or slower markets. And one of the, that thing is, is that people who are investors or uh, serious investors get really interested um, because their objective goal is to quote unquote buy the dip. And so if we are in fact in a timeline right now where the cost of housing is going down, even with high, higher rates, it would make sense that someone who has the capacity and the ability to get into real estate right now is probably finding their best opportunity since 2019. And so with that being said, we're getting a lot of questions these days about folks who are interested in looking at different types of rental opportunities and specifically short-term and long-term. Now, there are a variety of different types of investments, obviously short-term, mid-term, long-term, uh, vacation-specific, and so much more. But for today, we're going to really just touch on short-term versus long-term from a lending perspective, some pros and cons, and give opinions. So as you're listening to this article, uh, this this podcast, keep, please keep in mind that not Everything we're saying is necessarily advice, but opinions on the facts and the matter, and not necessarily a recommendation. And I'm going to put that disclosure in there just because there are so much subject, so many subjective points to everything we have to say. Anyhow, so today's topic again: short-term versus long-term rental income. We're going to talk about everything from how rental income is calculated, pros and cons, to managements and expenses. So let's get into it, um, Derek. Well, you brought up the topic today, so why don't you start us off here and let's talk a little bit about rental income as a whole, what that is, and how it's considered. And I think we just start off with specifically what types of rental incomes there are. Yeah, this is a huge topic. I mean, Airbnb is becoming more and more popular for so many different reasons. One of them being income. You can produce far more income than you typically would on a long-term property. Uh, there's a little bit more risk and, and there's ups and downs. But from a financing standpoint, since that's kind of what we're here to talk about, uh, 
long-term rental properties are very easy to justify when it comes to applying for a mortgage, right? Like if you have an existing rental property with a tenant that's been in there for whatever period of time and you have a rental agreement and you can prove the deposits going into your bank account, banks will use that cert- that level of income in your application, which will help you qualify for more. A lot of times, depending on the lender that you're working with, it'll actually offset that property completely, right? So like the, the rental income can actually basically zero that out in the, in the application. Um, Short term is way more challenging, especially when you're purchasing a property and I mean, I personally think that this is only going to get better over time. I think that lenders have to adapt to this because it is going to become more and more popular. It is what it is, right? Like there's literally buildings being built that are solely for short-term rental. So there has to be some sound financing options or or this is just going to be, you know, uh, a never-ending challenge. And, you know, if you're buying a property and it's for the purpose of short-term and you tell a bank that right away, they're all going to decline it unless you're looking at like maybe an alternative lender. They don't want to hear that for a couple different reasons. Number one, they don't know how successful that that specific property is going to be. They don't know if you're going to have good tenants. They don't know if you're going to make enough to cover your costs. There's a lot of unknowns in that. Um, At the same time, having a short-term rental property, you have people coming and going, right? You could have three different sets of, of, of tenants in there in a week. And there's a lot more risk to, you know, the property being damaged, fires, floods, you name it. So from a risk perspective, lenders are really standoffish on that. Um, one thing that we have seen come to light relatively recently, and this is currently it's through alternative lenders and maybe a little bit of commercial, but if you've had an Airbnb property for typically they want to see it for two years, they're kind of looking at it like a business and they're saying, okay, well, you know, someone who's self-employed, we're qualifying them based on the last two years of income. And some of these lenders are just starting to look at Airbnb, Airbnb properties like that as well. But keep in mind, this is two years after you bought it, right? So you have to have a history of rents um, currently anyways. Yeah. And that same, in that same uh, example where we could potentially use a history of business income, you know, a lot of people may buy a home that is an existing short-term rental and and want to utilize maybe a previous two-year history of income that was being derived from that property as an example to try to you know make this type of uh, loophole work I guess you could say and, and unfortunately that I've just had seen no success in that because the bank in these alternative lender situations, they actually want to know that you managed it for two years and and how successful it was on your watch, not, you know, somebody else's. So unfortunately, you know, I get that question quite a bit is, and unfortunately the answer is no. And it's just kind of continues the same theme of how challenging this, this process is to get a, a, an approval for a short-term rental, like actually being honest about the purpose of this property and, and trying to get a, an approval is very, very difficult. Derek kind of highlighted some of the challenges associated with the Airbnb properties. And and we've seen it in different markets recently where people have looked to uh, purchase short-term rentals and, and have had some trouble in certain areas, uh, obviously having consistent uh, income or consistent um, uh, borrowers. Uh, not borrowers, I should say visitors to their properties for that matter. I mean, but that being said, I mean, that comes down more to strategy around the actual Airbnb and where you're buying and who's marketing it and so much more. Um, but circling back to the rental income uh, component here, I mean, let's just touch on it really quickly here from a lender's perspective and from a rent perspective. If someone's purchasing a property and they're looking to qualify for a mortgage, typically on a lending standpoint, they're looking to actually use a certain amount of predictable income, which is verifiable for the purposes of helping someone qualify for that loan. 
And so if you look at it from a lender's perspective, because their primary objective, specifically banks, is to mitigate risk, the lowest risk of po uh, uh, possible. They don't make nearly as much money on a prime mortgage, or in this case, like a qualified mortgage, as for example, a subprime lender or another lender who is an alternative lender, right? So the risk for them is very, very low. So from a borrower's perspective, as much as it can be annoying or frustrating, we have to also look at it from a bank's perspective and say, is it really their business model to lend money and provide you with money um, when really at the end of the day, the risk is higher for an Airbnb? And again, as D Derek mentioned, all those different reasons, the fact that there's people coming and going, there's a lot more wear and tear on both the unit and the building. It's treated basically like a hotel for all intents and purposes. And there's no denying a hotel is going to have a lot more repair and maintenance than a long-term condo where it's all owner-occupied or long-term rentals, right? I mean, you can argue that 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 is the case, but you could also argue that as a homeowner um, that gets to go in and out of this property and clean it and look after it from that perspective, you know, I, I would say, you know, it's really dependent on who is staying in that unit as a long-term, like if you're comparing this to a long-term rental, I mean, we've seen all sorts of horror stories of tenants just destroying homes where it, when you're managing a short-term rental, your cleaner's going in there every week or four days to clean it and look for, you know, issues like uh, as a, as a, own, a homeowner that owns an Airbnb property, I found our property is always in immaculate, crystal clean condition. Well, I mean, another aspect there, yeah. I mean, another thing to consider is, you know, if you put a long-term tenant in a property and they turn out to be a nightmare, it is very, very challenging to get them out of the property just because of the, the tenancy laws in BC. Whereas with Airbnb, you might have a bad tenant for four days and they mess up the property, but they're gone, right? Um, they're quite literally, like people are typically not staying in these properties for more than a week or two. So I think there's definitely pros and cons. And, and I think from a lender's perspective, they're always going to look at the risk, right? Like they're not, they're probably not thinking the way that you are, Dean, just because, you know, they're always looking at it from a worst case scenario standpoint, which is, you know, that's just how lending works, unfortunately. Yeah. And so let's circle back on that because I mean, Dean, you made a good point about that fact. Uh, however, um, just looking at it purely from what the lenders state in their eyes, and this is the feedback that they provide us on a regular basis is just, uh, you know, obviously unpredictability around it. I mean, as you know, you own a short-term rental property. You can speak to it probably more so than a lot of folks who don't have them right now and, and how you run it. But we've also seen a lot of people who have short-term rentals and, you know, they probably shouldn't. Uh, the way that they operate them and, and they're owning them in locations perhaps that doesn't make a lot of sense either and there could be a lot of downside risk associated with that so from a bank's perspective i guess what they're looking at is and saying where is the higher and the greater amount of risk historically speaking but we also have to remember that even though airbnb isn't a brand new thing i mean they've been around for what 10 years or something like that and vacation rentals have been around forever right that sort of thing it's not that um you know for example that banks never did any financing on them it's just that i think with it becoming so common and it being kind of mom and pop style for so long they're just uncomfortable and as we know lender policies do not adapt quickly you know they're three to five years behind the the curve before anything changes right yeah for sure and also lender policy is 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 canada wide too so it's very general in the fact that you know what's going on in bc is not what's going on in alberta versus newfoundland and um, but we have lending policies that are for the whole country we don't have lending policies that are specific to you know certain provinces um, which you know may, may you know people might be surprised by that and that's that's a big deal because as a as a buyer looking to buy an investment property 
the benefits of a short-term rental to me mitigate a lot of risk that concerns me on the long-term side as a, as a, as an investor um, in BC, looking at like to Derek's point, you, it's very difficult to get a tenant out of the home. It's, you can't raise rents uh, more than, you know, what, what are we at? One point something percent a year. And we got inflation and everything out of control and rates are out of control or we can't, you know, we can't raise our rents here. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that, you know, these are the reasons why we go to short term is because we have flexibility. We can make more income, arguably. Um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of reasons here why we choose to go to a short term investment, right? And it's unfortunate that uh, the banks don't see it that way. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, just on that, <clears throat> you brought up a good point about lender policy and, and it being Canada wide. I mean, I think that's why, you know, you look at where we live and we know that the rental market is insanely strong, right? But Scotiabank and every other lender is offering the same rental policy everywhere. And it's a very conservative policy for the most part. Um, what we would typically expect to see is like a local credit union because they're very localized. They would understand the market. They would understand the rental market more. So I would actually suspect that if we're going to see lenders come to the table on this, it's probably going to be a credit union that's more focused in that one area. And they know that the rents are strong rather than a bank coming and saying, yeah, everyone across Canada can now buy Airbnb properties, right? Because there are going to be markets that are not going to be successful and that could cause issues for them with repayment and, and borrower issues. Right. Yeah, understood. So with that being said, I think ultimately circling back to your uh, point, let's go back to just generally speaking, if someone wants to learn about how to finance and what that looks like. So I, I mean, the initial intent is obviously very important when financing any properties for that matter. If a, a lender is going to finance a property, again, to your point, and the intent initially speaking is to finance it as a rental property or a long term rental property, then a lender can consider using a variety of different ways to to cover their their uh, qualification or to help you qualify for that property. And it's important to note as a lot of people People listening to this might not know this every lender has a different way to uh, cover or offset the expenses of the property based on a rental income and so with leaving that part aside what's important for people to know about this is again assuming the intent is to pur uh, purchase something and have it as a long-term investment property we can use usually a, a couple of different things to help you qualify if you're buying a rental property you can get something called a market rent or an economic rent letter to confirm what that property might rent for in that given market right there um, you know the good thing about that is that you know it can be tough for someone to buy a property as a rental and then have a renter in there right away sometimes you're going to go in there and you're going to go like paint it and do renovations and things of that nature and then put a renter in afterwards uh, but you know ultimately we need to find out what it could rent for otherwise the lender won't be very interested in using the quote-unquote potential rental income so market renter le rent letter is something that's really uh, widely considered and used by some of the top lenders although not all lenders will consider them which leads us to the second point around uh, lease agreements so as an example right now, I'm working on a file where a client is purchasing a property on a remote island, a remote island and the lender quite simply is being subjective about it and they're suggesting, the underwriter there is suggesting, well we don't believe this would be a long-term rental and we don't believe it would be viable, where in fact the client's intent is actually long-term rental and there's, there's no rentals available on the entire island, so they'll do very, very well. Uh, so in this situation, the lender has, even though they could use a market rent, they're actually only allowing the client to get a lease agreement specifically in place in order to use the rent on this particular property. So that's kind of a situation or a gray area where there might be policy, 
But a lender could simply subjectively say, hey, I do or do not want to do that. And then to your point, Derek, that's one of the challenges associated with these national companies is this person might be located in, in Vancouver or might be located in, in Calgary and they may have never visited one of these islands. So they have literally zero idea as to how the rental market is and what it looks like. And I can tell you for a fact that they're they're brimming at the scene. Uh, I'm not going to name the island for sake of conversation, but they are absolutely brimming. They have no rentals, nothing available. So, so this will be a fantastic opportunity for this uh, specific individual. Best case scenario, if you're trying to purchase a, an Airbnb or short-term rental property, if you qualify to purchase it as a secondary residence, that is best case scenario because lend lenders are not relying on rental income. The rental aspect does not come up. So we have seen some clients go that route. The challenge is that a lot of people, you know, especially where we live, a lot of people are not qualifying to hold their primary residence mortgage and another mortgage. But if you do, that's your that's your best course of action for sure. Yeah, just with that though, like it has to be within reason, right? I mean, if you live in Vancouver, you can't really justify buying a second home in the same municipality. Uh, there is some, you know, there is some reasonability there. It has to be actually deemed like something that would make sense to have a secondary home, like a vacation area or what have you. Yeah. Um, but also like this just highlights there's like so many challenges with rental income in general like we just talked about the short-term challenges well like and now we're getting into these long-term challenges this has been coming up quite a bit especially in the last couple of years is going to refinance a home or going to buy another property and you already have rental income rental properties in your portfolio and you're not claiming that income on your t1 generals um basically you know paying tax on that income in those situations, like most banks won't even recognize rental income. If it's not on your T1 generals, they won't recognize it when you're doing a refinance or, or buying another property and trying to utilize, you know, that rental income um, from your other properties to qualify. So that's super important that, that you actually do claim this income. And, um, and then in addition to that, I've had, I've had lenders, uh, you know, where maybe, maybe the client bought the home in this calendar year. And now we're going to buy another home. And, and of course, there, there wouldn't be enough time to have done taxes because we haven't you know, completed the year. In those situations, we have lenders looking for three months bank savings to actually show that they are receiving rent for that property they said they are. And, and so, you know, you can't really play the system. You, you really have to follow the rules and, and do it the right way or, or you're just going to hit roadblocks and, and, and the rules are, are tight and strict. So it's important to understand them. Yeah, the, I mean, the funny thing, we're not accountants by any means, but the funny thing about people not claiming their rental income, it's like, most of the time, you don't even pay very much tax because you have expenses on that property, right? Like if you bring in $2,000 a month, that's $24,000 a year, you can write off interest from your mortgage, you can write off like marketing, you can write off property expenses and maintenance like there's a lot of costs that you can actually roll into that to bring that taxable income down so like at the end of the day if you're trying to avoid paying tax by not claiming this it's going to cost you very very minimal but it's going to make your life so much easier when it comes to the next one it's always kind of been in any underwriting policy when when looking to qualify for a mortgage it always seems to be there's like three two or three levels of verification regardless of what you're trying to you know verify and um it's no different than when you're an employee, they're wanting your letter of employment, your pay stub and your T4. You know, there's three levels there that show, hey, I actually have this job, I actually received this income. It's kind of the same sort of thought process. Show us the T1 general, show us the lease agreement, show us the bank statement, show us, you know, a market rent appraisal or what have you. Like, it's, it seems in like very in depth and a lot of people shake their head that haven't gone through the financing process and, and then learn this. 
like what do you, like why do they need all this all this documentation and it and it just it just is the time that we're living in and it just continues to get more and more rigid Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, let's talk about it from a different perspective then, because we're all about solution finding. So we're talking about the challenges, and we don't want it to sound like there are challenges and we can't get them done. Um, but of course, every I think one of the challenges, obviously, of speaking challenges, speaking of uh, on this type of a platform, is that it is such a general conversation that can be had, and every situation is so darn unique. With all this being said, we can get financing for properties that are uh, short-term viable solutions. It's just that each situation, as Dean's mentioned and, and Derek's mentioned, is absolutely unique, and there are different ways to look at them. Um, I do want to speak on one different, uh, you know, topic here. So we talked a little bit, a lot about the challenges associated with short-term financing in general. We haven't even got into like long-term versus short-term and the risk associated with that. But one thing that you know, Derek, you brought up as well is like different lender policies allowing for uh, specifically someone who has short-term rentals because one of the challenges that people have isn't that they're they're renting out properties as short-term rentals but that they have a number of short-term rentals and then what they're trying to do is as you mentioned they're trying to qualify for more properties to offset those expenses right and so what we're seeing there is that there are now some lenders who are being at least open-minded and more comfortable with the concept of a, a proof of business plan. So for example, if someone's been renting out this particular property for two uh, plus tax years, we are seeing lenders start to be more open and uh, interested in working with someone who has this type of history. Now, it's really important to note that the person that's that's got the short-term rental should be extremely well documented with agreements, ideally a property manager in place that's managing and, and has an agreement with them, and of course, tax returns, expenses, and so forth. But I think that's something that we'll see a little bit of um, loosening in the next couple of years here, a little bit more open. All that to be, all that to say, that I don't anticipate that the big banks on the residential mortgage side, which is what most people want, are going to be jumping into this boat anytime soon, especially with the market changing. I think what we're gonna see more and more of is alternative lending and alternative lenders or quote unquote B lenders as people call them, who are going to start gobbling up some of this here business because they're open to a little bit more risk. Um, that and and maybe semi-commercial lending. We've seen in the US how, you know, they even the US, a lot of lenders down there, the, the typical prime residential lenders don't want Airbnb either. And so we've seen creative solutions with funds coming out that are kind of a hybrid between commercial lending and residential lending specifically for these rental properties. Basically, it's a long way for me to say that there, <laughs> there, there, there are some ideas that are coming out of the woodworks, but there's not a lot of great, specifically short-term rental options yet. Just one example, I have a, a recent client that I was working with was actually looking at a property in a Soyuz right on the lake, big, beautiful home. Uh, and it had been airbnb for, I think, the last three or four years, <laughs> produced really strong income. Uh, and of course, we ran into roadblocks residentially. Uh, it wasn't realistic to get it done uh and uh commercially there were options there so that's definitely something that you can look into but they were looking for existing pre-existing rental income that they could actually look at financials uh just to prove the viability and, and longevity i guess of what that property could produce mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's important to note too in in canada at least when doing commercial financing is it typically should be to a corporate borrower so um, in those cases, you know, you you would want that home to be registered in a holding company, as an example, or some sort of an you know operating company. If that's how you're managing your your rental business, because uh, commercial banks don't typically lend to a, an individual 
um, it, it, a corporate borrower would need to be involved. So that that just adds a, a bit of a hiccup. But I think from my my perspective, like solutions, it would always come down to preparation, and all these things are are great. You know, th- this is great information to just know, so you can actually plan and, and prepare and put yourself in a position to not hit the, the you know the hurdles that we're talking about. So to Alex's point, like the, you know, we're not just trying to dump on challenges. Like the, the solution is, is just be aware and, and, and plan for these, these rigid guidelines. And, and you can actually, you know, navigate it quite seamlessly. If you plan for it, it's no different than, you know, the first time home buyer that's afraid to, you know, go through the pre-approval process because they're not ready, but you know, we're always saying like, let's get reviewing this now so we can find potential challenges yep. that we can fix. We have the time to fix them, even yep. though you're not ready now, like let's look at this now so we can actually put this plan in place. Basically short version, get hyper clear on your goals and and talk to an expert in the space because we're bringing up all, to your point, we're bringing up all the challenges, but we do have solutions here. It's just that we need to know someone's situation exactly so we can discuss what that looks like. Just one other example from my side, kind of a cool hybrid that we had some clients uh, navigate and come up with their goal was to buy a townhouse and buy an Airbnb rental property um, because they had sold their their property fairly recently. Um, it, it wasn't working out based on what they were trying to do. So they actually came up with a strategy to buy a detached home with a basement suite and they're actually Airbnb being the basement suite and they're bringing in amazingly strong rental income from that and they can manage it, right? It's, it's literally below uh, their living quarters. So it, that made a lot of sense for them. And then you know, they're also not dealing with, you know, separate uh, accounting and financials for different properties. So that was cool. They ended up really happy with that scenario. And and again, like, I think people don't really put a lot of thought into basement suites and Airbnb, depending on the municipality, but uh, they can be, they can be really strong for cash flow. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that's a good point. So I mean, I, I think the, the general note of our conversation today has been around just what types of things to look out for as it pertains to short term, long term uh, rental income as a whole. Uh, I, just some general advice here, whether it's short, long, mid, whatever it is. Uh, I touched on it in part of our conversation here, which is that uh, records are everything. So keep active lease agreements, uh, pay your taxes. And of course, <laughs> Ensure that all the information that you have available is accurate and up to date as opposed to um, being outdated and or not held because when you do own current rental properties and you're looking to get new financing on these properties, a lender undoubtedly is going to ask for lease agreements, they're going to ask for tax returns, they're going to ask for uh, other uh, documentation and if you don't have that available it's just going to continue to make it more and more challenging. We see a lot of people who are trying to skirt the laws and, and not pay their taxes, it's not worth it uh, because it'll limit you in the future and obviously then you're dealing with tax fraud situations. So um, just a general recommendation there. To sum it up here, I think this would keep this as a short, sweet uh, episode. And we'll kind of circle back for a second here. But basically, the the short version is that uh, Airbnb and short term rental income is still uh, one in which each situation is highly unique and still not considered uh, by the norm as far as uh, banks. There are options to finance properties that could be considered as short term rentals, but they are uh, specific to each certain circumstance. So we need to understand your circumstance. If you're buying a property for the purposes of a long-term rental income, depending on the different institution, you can get a lease or, as we mentioned earlier, a market rent letter to help you qualify for a property. 
property. But as we also discussed, that's not always the same with every single lender and there are different amounts that they will qualify you for. And then of course, last but not least, as it pertains to just rental uh, policies or, or portfolios, if you're building one out, you know, work with a freaking expert, like work with somebody who does this stuff all day long. We get clients all the time who are buying um, their second rental property and we look at the way that they financed the previous one and it makes absolutely zero sense for a variety of reasons and they're, they're extremely limited. So when you start building out a portfolio, make sure you're working with a mortgage broker who does this, who owns rental properties and is actually able to advise you. Any other thoughts on that, Dean? I just want to quickly touch on just something to be aware of and, and a good realtor would, would be able to navigate uh, through this part of the process. But when buying a short-term rental, if that is your purpose, like be very clear on the licensing process. So when, you know, when buying a uh, a property, you know, you, you're going to need to look at the rules in that municipality. There are bylaws around this. There are certain municipalities that require a license. Um, there are certain municipalities that actually only allow you to Airbnb your primary residence. So, you know, buying a rental property for the sole purpose of short term may not even be an option because of the actual municipality you're looking at buying in. So it's very important to understand those rules and, and make sure you're working with a real estate agent that knows those areas and, and those rules. And then in addition to that, um, if it's a strata property, there are a lot of strata. Uh, there's a lot of stratas out there. I'd probably say there's more than than there's not that uh, do not allow you to um, do short term rental in that complex or building. So. Um, another thing to be very aware of and, and a good realtor should be able to help you with that. Many situations where someone's brought an accepted offer to us and told us they're uh, long, they're going to short term it in the future and we asked them to look into those considerations and they realize, oh, this, yeah, this isn't a property I can use or the strata limits it or the zoning or so forth. So yeah, do your due diligence and work with somebody who's purchased these types of properties. Of course, uh, we've got lots of connections in the industry. So reach out to us if, uh, if you're someone who is looking to purchase one of these rental properties and you're looking to get hooked up with a real estate agent in a specific city. Um, as a note on that, I know it's kind of a little plug, but we work within uh, a variety of provinces within the country. Pro we are uh, licensed all over. So we do usually have connections in different cities. So you can let us know and we'll introduce you there. Um, you know, kind of circling back here, our intention walking into this was short-term versus long-term rental income. I think what we really got into is the almost like the challenges of short-term rental income, just so people are aware of the challenges associated with them. Um, again, I, I, we said this a couple times as well. Challenges aren't a bad thing. They can be overcome. You just have to strategize. You have to understand it. And I wish we could go even deeper in this podcast, but it's so specific to each circumstance. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll cap it there. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Really appreciate your time today. If you're loving the show, if you want to find out more, find us online, Instagram, at Thrive Mortgage Co., at the YBR Remo Show. Give us that rating and review on podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and we'll talk to you all soon.